Please turn your Bibles to the book of Acts, or your Bible might say the Acts of the Apostles. Acts chapter 14. Acts 14, let's remember what we did last time. We read about the Spirit leading the church to ordain Paul and Barnabas for the gospel ministry as apostles. The Holy Spirit chose them. They didn't vote and say, who should we pick? The Holy Spirit told them, I've already picked them. You need to make it official and ordain them. And they did. And they begin what becomes what we, you know, historically is the first missionary journey. I mean, you could say there had already been missionary journeys, right? They'd gone to Samaria. They'd gone down to Caesarea by the sea. They'd gone up to Antioch in Syria. But those are precursors. And Paul and Barnabas had not been set apart like this yet either. They go to Salamis in Cyprus, if you remember we talked about that. That's Barnabas' homeland. They went to the synagogues first there. John Mark is with them. And they preach from the east of the island all the way across the island to the west of the island. All the way to Paphos, which is 90 miles from there. So this is not a small task that they're doing. They've come to the east side of an island and preached all the way across it 90 miles. I mean, it's, it's profound. And in Paphos, if you remember, they encounter a man, Bar-Jesus, a magician who has influence with the proconsul Sergius Paulus. And Sergius Paulus, the text says he's an intelligent man and he wants to hear the message that Paul and Barnabas are preaching. And this bar Jesus tries to prevent him, does hinder his belief. Paul rebukes him by the Spirit, if you remember this. He tells him what an evil and vile person he is to be hindering the work of God and he's struck with blindness and he immediately he cannot see it all and he's just groping around and hoping someone will help him so he doesn't fall into a pit he has no idea where he's going and the proconsul who already wanted to hear their message and already was not far from the kingdom of God when he sees that this man is struck with blindness and the power of God that's working through the apostles he believes in Christ he believes and they leave that island and they go across the Mediterranean Northwest, and they come to Perga and the region of Pamphylia. And this is where historically John Mark left them and went back to Jerusalem. And we, we don't really know what happened exactly, but he leaves and goes back to Jerusalem from there. And they go on further inland to Pisidia, a hundred miles to the north. So I don't know how many miles these guys are crossing per day, but if it's 20 miles a day, that's a lot of walking. And 20 miles in a day is a lot of walking. But to do that five days in a row, to walk 100 miles, I'm sure they had more stamina for that type of thing than we do. But 
This, this is significant journeys these guys are making, our brothers in the faith. They go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. They are encouraged to, quote, speak a word of encouragement to the people. And Paul gives them a word of encouragement, a great word of encouragement. He reminds them of God's goodness to Israel for 450 years. He says, God was with you in Egypt. He's been with you. He caused you to multiply and become a great nation. He led you out of there. He provided for you in the wilderness. Have you, do you remember this in the, in the story of them in the wilderness? It says that even their clothes didn't wear out. Forty years in the desert. Don't you know that sand is used to deteriorate things? You, have you heard of something being sandblasted? They were sandblasted for 40 years and their clothes didn't wear out. This, doesn't, this is impossible. Except when God is controlling the fibers in, that, in the fabric of those clothes and allowing them to be impervious to sand damage. God's goodness. He conquered their enemies. He gave them the promised land. He gave them even a king after God's own heart, David. And Paul says, ultimately, that was really about Jesus. He's the real king after God's own heart. In fact, he is God's heart in the flesh. Isn't that what the author of Hebrews says? He is the exact representation. He is this is why Jesus can say, how can you say, show me the Father? If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So don't have bad theology. Are they the same? Yes, one God, but they're not the same. They're distinct. And he says in the same message, this is all in chapter 13, that John the Baptist testified of the Christ coming too, and His greatness even. And so, you know, seeing how God has blessed you for 450 years, and the Scripture spoke of this day, be careful that you don't perish. If you look there in, in verse um, 13, um, I think this is... Verse 40, 13 verse 40, Beware therefore lest what is said in the prophets should come about. And basically what, what had been prophesied is that people wouldn't believe even though they saw great things happen. Even though they were witnesses of the things that had happened, they still remained in unbelief. Paul says, okay, you judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. We're turning to the Gentiles. And what do the Gentiles do in response? The text says they were glad when they heard the forgiveness of God in Christ and that He was saving even Gentiles. They rejoiced. And the text said, which we spent some time on last time, if you don't remember, as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Not as many believed were appointed to eternal life. As many were appointed believed. 
And if you think about this, if God has determined everything on the earth, the depths of the oceans, the heights of the mountains, the percentage of oxygen that's in the air, the stars and the galaxies. Have y'all been following this web telescope thing online? The pictures that are coming out of this thing are amazing. They showed a picture of basically one galaxy smashing through another galaxy. I don't know what that looks like up close, but if God has determined all these things, I mean, it, right? The whole earth is full of God's glory. Do you think that the thing that's most precious to him, his own bride, he would just leave up to chance? Nay, God is not that way. He makes sure it works out the way he wants because he's God. He loves his bride. He sent his son to die for her. He knows her name. They didn't choose him. He chose them. He loves them. Well, word spreads. Many believe in the area. But opposition continues. Opposition continues. Verse 49, the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region, but the Jews incited devout women of high standing and leading men of the city and stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the district. And this is where we get the, they shook the dust off their feet and went somewhere else. They're just saying, okay, fine, you don't want us here. We're not taking any of you with us. Even the dust that's on our feet, we're going to shake it off. And the disciples are filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And this is interesting, 52, we didn't talk about this. They've just been rejected. There's been some conversions. There's been some joy among the Gentiles. But the people who should believe, they know the most about the Scriptures. They don't believe. They oppose their message. They incite people to stir up persecution against them. And what's their response? They're filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit because God is using them. The results, they're not up to them. It's up to God, but they're, God's using them. People are being saved. They're happy. Well, please stand while we read today's text. We'll read verses 1 through 18 of chapter 14. Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands." But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia. 
and to the surrounding county. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now, at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Laconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priests of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news, that you should turn from these vain things to a living God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. Amen. You may be seated. A lot's happening. They're moving from place to place. A lot's going on. Verse 1. In the previous chapter, Paul told them, we're going to turn to the Gentiles because you won't believe. But it's not that they're going to stop preaching to Jews in every city. Just their city. You don't believe? You judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life? Fine, we're turning to the Gentiles. But in the very next city that they go to, they go right back to the synagogue to talk to their Jewish brothers. They haven't given up on the Jews. Just in that one instance, they go there. Verse 1, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. God had prepared them beforehand. You know this. Normally, if you plant a seed in the ground, which the Word of God is often compared with the seed, normally, if you throw it on the ground, it will not spring into a plant in front of you in that moment. It takes some time. And if you preach the gospel and people believe on the spot, there's work that's happened before you got there. God has been at work preparing the ground, making it fertile, removing thorns and thistles and stones. They go there, they preach the gospel. A great number of Jews and Greeks believe. But in in that multitude at the synagogue, there's unbelieving Jews. And they stir them up and say, no, 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 no. Quote, poisoned their minds against the brothers. And this is interesting. Poisoned their minds. 
Like saying that what they were saying about Jesus wasn't true? Is that how they poisoned their minds? Or did they say, don't believe them. They're not trustworthy. Look at these guys. We're not sure how they poisoned their minds. But it seems like God is doing a thing and there's people opposing it saying, calm down, tamp it down. Grieving the Spirit. Resisting the work of God. This is the work of the devil, isn't it? Verse 3. They didn't run away because of this opposition. As far as we know, at this point, there's no threats of violence to them. They remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord. They continue to say, no, you're wrong. The Old Testament is about Jesus. He's alive. We saw him. And the text says, who bore the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace. As they're speaking the word of his grace, God is doing other things so that they'll know what these men are saying is true. Granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. We're not given a list of what signs and wonders, but you would think healings, that's been a part of their ministry. You would think perhaps speaking in languages that they don't know. But we're not told exactly what signs and wonders, but... They were the signs and wonders were intended to do a specific thing, and that was to show that the word of God's grace that they were preaching was true. That's the intent. The signs will be the proof or confirming evidence that I'm with them. You remember when the blind man was healed? And they're trying to figure out what happened. And he says, what do you mean you don't know where it came from? God did it. You should be. It's obvious who did it. No one can do this unless God's with them. And I think that's the point here. God is with the apostles and proving it with signs and wonders. So verse 4, the people can't decide. There's not a consensus. Some believe the poison that the unbelieving Jews had been spewing. And they see the apostles as troublemakers. And others see them as people with beautiful feet who are bringing good news to them. But the city, in general, they can't decide. Now we see, verse 5, a common thing that we've been seeing. They cannot prevail over them with arguments. That is, the non-believers. They cannot prevail over the apostles with arguments. The Holy Spirit is with them. And they can't compete with them in power. Right? They are doing things that no one's ever even heard of being done before. Not just rare. We've never heard of someone who was born blind being healed. It, it just, it never happens. 
except by the hands of these men. So they can't compete with them debating or in power. And so we see a common theme. They resort to violence and threats of violence. And they have a plan to stone them, which would likely result in their deaths. Right? I mean, it is possible to be stoned and not die, as we'll learn from Paul later. But the intent is to kill them, or at least put them out of commission. Verse 6, they learn of the plot. We're not told how they learn of this plot. Did the Holy Spirit whisper to them? We're not sure. Definitely God is taking care of His apostles, though. They flee to Lystra. So if, if we have in our minds where we were on the map, there's an island of Cyprus. They've gone north across the Mediterranean, a hundred miles to the other Antioch. Then they went south from there, 90 miles to Iconium. Now they're fleeing from Iconium because of a threat to be stoned. And from Iconium, it's 20 miles southwest of Iconium. So maybe a day or so south of there is where they're heading now. Verse 8. There was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. Okay, this is very similar to what we just talked about, the man being born blind. Like, not, not only did this man, he did not have some sort of injury, right? When you think, well, we could do some re- rehabilitation work and we could get him on his feet again. He had never walked. Can you imagine a, a grown-up trying to walk for the first time? You're not going to be able to walk. You're gonna, you have to learn how to walk, right? He was crippled from birth, had never walked. Verse 9, God does a miracle through Paul. The crippled man believes that God can make him well. He doesn't know if God will. He believes he can. Which is something, isn't it? Part of the problem of unbelief in the world is that people refuse to believe the miraculous is possible. The Red Sea parted? Ridiculous. What? A pillar of fire and a cloud led them? You believe that? Manna fell from heaven every day and they scooped it up and they made little cakes out of it? You believe that? And you can go on and on and on. Basically, every profound story of the Old and New Testaments involve miraculous things happening. God saying, listen, this is, I do things that are not normal. I control the world. And if I want those bones to be healed, I'll heal them. You can't do it, but I can't. This man, he believed that the miraculous was possible. He had faith to be made well, we are told in verse 9. 
Peter says to him in a loud voice, he's not... Now think about this. Why does it have to be in a loud voice? Is there extra power if he says it really loudly? I don't think so. I think the point is to draw attention to what's about to happen. He tells this man who's been crippled to get up and walk. Can you imagine people around? Why would you yell at the man and tell him to walk? He's crippled. Leave him alone. You think about it. It's, It's ridiculous to tell somebody that unless you know what's about to happen and God's going to heal them. Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. Someone who had never walked before. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Now, there's some, there's some debate here as to, it seems like they're speaking in some language that possibly Paul, doesn't, Paul and Barnabas don't understand. It, it, I didn't research this Lyconian language. But it seems like they don't know exactly what's going on at first until they start bringing out bulls and stuff to make sacrifice. And then they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, you know, they lifted up their voices saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Right? They're confused. They've never seen such a thing. And listen, they rightly conclude that these men are special. Very special. But they wrongly conclude that these men are gods. And they try to worship them instead of God, who is the one who actually did the healing. Right, Paul? Paul doesn't have power to heal anytime he wants. Do you remember, when, was it Epaphras, who he commented on that said he was very, very ill, and that God had healed him and spared him sorrow upon sorrow if Epaphras had died. I'm not sure if that name is correct. But the implication is that Paul could not heal him. God healed him. I don't think that that they had these powers at their own discretion any time they wanted to use them. God healed the man. The people are confused. And they suppose, we are told, that Zeus and Hermes have come down in the likeness of men. This is very interesting. Because God did come down in the likeness of men. Just not Zeus. Not Hermes and not upon Paul and Barnabas. They rightly conclude that this is a God visitation. But they're not God. Quote, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus is the one who came down, God taking, being born in the likeness of men. 
very interesting there. Verse 11, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And they, they assigned, he's, he's Zeus, he's Hermes. We can tell because of their roles. So there's priests, there's a priest of Zeus. He brings oxen, garlands. And, and listen, this is obvious that they shouldn't receive this worship. But we saw not long ago that two cities came to reconcile with the king in Antioch. Or no, was it Caesarea by the sea? Either way, we are told that he talked to them and he had garments that were shining and splendor. And they said, oh, the voice of God and not of a man. And he, brought, he said, oh, yeah, bring it on, bring it on. And God kills him. Paul and Hermes here, they actually, <laughs> Hermes, Paul and Barnabas here, they actually are doing things, magnet, great things by God's power. This, this king that was receiving that praise, he, no comparison. They refuse to receive that kind of praise. They, they stop it. They stop it. They yell out, we are men. Don't, don't worship us. We're men. But God is alive. Notice that? Verse 15, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men in the, likeness, uh, in the like nature with you. We bring you good news. But we're not God. You should turn from these vain things, worshiping Zeus and Hermes and offering oxen and garlands to humans. We're, not, we're no different than you. But God is, quote, a living God. He's alive. He made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Right? Verse 16, in the past, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. You know, it's, he's saying, y'all did what y'all wanted in the past, and God allowed it. But you could have recognized his goodness if he had looked for it. You could have. Verse 17, he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons and satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. You could have seen God let all this nonsense go on. He could have just zapped you and killed you like the destroying angel did the firstborn in Egypt. He's not powerless. He can wipe them out in an instant. All heathens and unbelievers and rebels but God allowed it. But he's, he didn't leave himself without a witness. God has blessed you with goodness. Rain fell on your land. Fruit grew. You ate and were filled. And you were happy. You had gladness. That should have made you glorify God. Instead of this nonsense that y'all are doing. This idolatry. 
Verse 18, even with these words, they scarcely restrain the people from offering, sac- from offering sacrifice to them. Even after all that message, they're like, okay, cool. Get the wood. We're going to sacrifice these oxen. Um, some thoughts are deep, and it takes a while to get them out of there, right? You know this if, if you have thoughts that you wish you didn't have anymore. You know this. Well, we've seen the same pattern again, right? They've preached. People have believed. God has done miraculous signs through them. Opposition has risen up. We'll see that next time. The same people that opposed them in Antioch and Iconium, they follow them to Lystra. They have a good ministry going on in Leicester. They follow them there and cause opposition to come and inflict violence upon him. <clears throat> Are you aware of the goodness of God that's around every day? That this is the day that the Lord has made? We will rejoice and be glad in it. Not just on Sunday, but every day. I mean, it is a fact that life will beat you to a pulp. It will. But if your hope is in God, you won't despair like those who are in unbelief. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. We do thank you for the way that you provide for the earth, the way that you bear witness to your goodness upon humanity. But Father, we praise You even more and thank You that You've brought the word of good news to us. Reconciliation with the Father is possible through Jesus. Oh Lord, thank You that You've called us out of darkness into light. You've woken us up. You've put Your Holy Spirit upon us. You've encouraged us in the Scriptures. You've taught us Your mind from the scriptures thank you Lord we thank you for this church and the way that you love us and the way that we are at peace with one another oh Father would you help us to remain that way to love each other more and more we pray in Jesus name Amen